Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to a new episode of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. I am the New York Daily News NFL columnist and Giants beat writer, fresh off the airplane from Detroit, where I attended Giants-Lions joint practices, two days, Tuesday and Wednesday. Tons of notes to tell you about details, analysis, observations that I had standing on the grass, on the field in Allen Park, Michigan, watching Brian Dable's team take shape. But I first wanted to talk about an NFC East storyline over in Washington, where the commanders and their head coach, Ron Rivera, already sounding like a last place team with Rivera essentially calling out his offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, and talking about his coaching style and the fact that players are already complaining to Rivera about how Bieniemy deals with them. Essentially, sounds like he's a hard-nosed coach, expects a lot, and takes it to the field every day. Some players don't respond well to that. But what's interesting is that Rivera took this public, and even though it's been rehashed everywhere already, I wanted to zero in on a comment Ron Rivera made that I thought was his key message. And it was when he said Eric Bieniemy quote, has a way he does things and it's not going to change. I thought that reflected that potentially behind the scenes, Rivera and Bieniemy already have clashed over how the head coach wants the team to be coached versus how the offensive coordinator believes in doing things coming from Kansas City. And the fact that Rivera is going public with this now does not bode well for Rivera, for Bieniemy, for the commanders, for the players, for anybody. Because the bottom line is this, Ron Rivera already was on the hot seat and likely is not going to be the commander's head coach next season in 2024 unless something dramatic changes. You look at Sam Howe being the plan at quarterback. You look at Bieniemy and Ron Rivera already taking things public here. And yes, there has been damage control. And Rivera probably could learn some things from Eric Bieniemy here about maybe how this team needs to be coached a little bit differently if you want to get better results and keep your job. But then again, Eric Bieniemy has gone on a ton of head coaching interviews and hasn't gotten an opportunity yet. He is known to great on people and on players. He also comes from a place that won. So there's something probably for both men to learn here. But the biggest takeaway, if you're a New York Giants fan, if you're an NFC East fan, is that Washington's probably not going to be a threat again, because even though they have a talented roster, they do not have their leadership on the same page at the top. Before we talk about Giants-Lions, I want to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And where I'm going to start, again, Giants-Lions. Joint practices. My notebook is full. I was there finally watching a team on team. No longer is it a Giants defender pulling up a little bit on a Giants offensive player. It is now opponents, players trying to make these rosters, trying to assert themselves. There were no fights. I thought actually Dan Campbell and Brian Dable did a really good job of getting their players up to the line without crossing it. Uh, But this was a really good opportunity for a lot of players on both sides to assert themselves. And so we finally saw some good evaluation periods, especially when we talk about some of the Giants' key players. And I want to start right there. Number one takeaway, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has had a good camp, but he looked 
practically shell-shocked the first day that they were practicing against the Lions defense was making uncharacteristically either bad throws, bad decisions. There were underthrows. There were overthrows. There were throws in traffic that put receivers in bad spots. A very strange day for Daniel Jones and worrisome in the sense that it was the first time he went up against an opponent. And that's what it looked like. Now, the second day, part of the same takeaway on Daniel Jones is now we know these things about him already, but he's tough. He has good bounce back. He keeps his head down and works. He stayed after the first practice and worked more on the throws he had missed. He comes back on day two. It wasn't perfect. He still made some bad throws, but it was better. They got in the end zone more. Um, and you know, there was a pick six basically that a linebacker dropped on an underneath throw. There was another ill-advised throw down the sideline to a covered Darius Slayton that could have been easily intercepted as well. So the second strong day after the first weekday still wasn't good enough to, for Jones's standards, Brian Dable's standards and the offensive standards. But I think my primary takeaway was Jones has had a good camp, but we saw a hiccup and we still need to see more because let's face it. The plan is now when you pay Daniel Jones that money, you lock him up as your quarterback. You want him to take the next step. That's what we talked about with Jonathan, Jonathan Casillas in our last episode about what you need to become. Once you earn that contract, you need to keep going. And so Daniel Jones needs to keep on in that process. You don't want to see the Giants have to resort to being that run heavy team that doesn't either trust its offensive line or its quarterback to put itself on its shoulders and then you're ending up with this short and intermediate passing game and a running game that has to matriculate the ball all the way down the field rather than making splash plays. While we're on the quarterback position, Tyrod Taylor really has had a strong camp as the backup. You can read about my conversation with him in the New York Daily News. And actually, when we talk about Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor and I were having a conversation after Wednesday's practice, and I thought this was a key point. I asked Tyrod if he saw any changes in Daniel since he got paid. And Tyrod said, same guy, hard worker. He's a leader, you know, first one in all those things. Taylor did tell me he thought Jones seemed even more vocal this season in the huddle running the offense than he did last year. He also said that does often happen when a player is in the second year of a system or just continues to grow in an offense and knows it better and understands his teammates as well, has some consistency. So it's not necessarily Daniel completely changing himself. But I thought that was a noteworthy point. Tyrod Taylor saying that Daniel Jones has been more vocal this year. That bodes well as well. We saw uh, him commanding the offense, bouncing back Daniel, making some uh, throws on the move. He had two touchdown passes to Darius Slayton, hit Darren Waller, Daniel Bellinger in the end zone, and connected with um, you know Cole Beasley as well in seven on seven and Saquon Barkley. Uh, that leads me into... Uh, one of my other kind of sub points, Saquon Barkley really didn't do a lot in these joint practices. I know Barkley has kind of taken a back seat when we're talking about the Giants ever since he reported and signed. But the fact of the matter is, it's interesting looking at how they're going to handle him now that he's back in the building. And not only did they hold him out of the red zone period on Tuesday, Barkley barely did anything on Wednesday. So I think it's safe to say that there have been conversations internally about Saquon doing right by kind of the team and his teammates and coming in and making that sacrifice. And it looks to me like the giants on the other end are kind of protecting and saving his body for the games that count. So number two, overall point, Darren Waller stepping up in a leadership role, super interesting for the top off season acquisition in a trade from the Las Vegas Raiders. 
a guy who he and the Raiders really kind of, you know, checked out on each other last year after he had gotten paid and then he and the new regime didn't get along. When the Giants had this tough first practice against the Detroit Lions, Isaiah Hodgins re revealed to reporters to us after that Darren Waller said something to the offense going into the second practice that he told them, listen, don't worry about what the other team's doing. It's about us. Don't forget whether they're having a good practice, bad practice, if they're being loud, whatever they're doing, we control how we play and how we do and how we respond. And regardless of what the message was, I think it's a good sign that Waller is that engaged and is taking his veteran experience and his high profile on this team to that next step where he is now announcing to the room, I know what's best here. Follow me, follow me, follow Daniel Jones, follow Saquon, follow everybody. But Waller being a leader is key because this is still a young and a kind of a turning over um, rebuilding team, even if the expectations do seem high after some of the acquisitions they made and the success they had last year. Along with that bounce back from the offense, would be remiss if I didn't mention how Darius Slayton continues to stand out. He and Daniel Jones connecting a lot. Uh, you can go, if you haven't already, listen to my podcast interview on YouTube or wherever you get your audio podcast with Darius Slayton from the spring where he defends Daniel Jones, but also gets really into the weeds on uh, how he's played, how the team has evolved, how Jones has evolved, stands up for his guys. And you can see why he's so consistent on the field, even when people are not paying attention, he's still becoming leading receiver in yards three or four years with the Giants. Um, I would recommend you go back and listen to that. That's one of the top performance in camp performers in camp for the Giants. I think you would learn a lot there. Third takeaway: a lot of unsettled positions on this Giants roster right now at key spots. I'll start with the offensive line. I would give Brian Dable and Joe Shane and the Giants a lot of credit if they, for example, moved Mark Lewinsky down to the second team or benched him if they felt like Josh Azudu and Ben Bredesen were their best two guards. The reason I say that is because we've seen several times now in practices, including in joint practices, you'll see at one point, you'll see Ben Bredesen at left guard, John Michael Schmitz at center, Mark Lewinsky at right guard. Then you'll see Josh Azudu at left guard, John Michael Schmitz at center, maybe Glowinski at right guard. But also Zudu on the left, Bredesen on the right with Schmitz in the middle. There was also a practice in East Rutherford recently where Glowinski worked exclusively with the second team offense. Now he, I believe, is over an $8 million cap hit on the Giants books this season. He was one of the only top signings last year, along with Tyrod Taylor, when the Giants basically had no money. They spent money on Glowinski and they spent money on Tyrod Taylor. And so this doesn't mean he's going to lose his job, definitely, but I think this is a real competition there. And I give them credit for creating one there because even though Glowinski got paid that money, he was not a premier player last year. He was okay. And they need to be better there. And so if it's Bredesen's better there, he plays. Josh Azudu, Ben Bredesen both had really good run blocks on some runs that got sprung or screen passes. There was one from Jay Sean Corbin to the right that Matt Parrott was involved in at right tackle. There was one to the left with Saquon Barkley. Uh, so, you know, those are that's a really important position battle to watch. I would be shocked at this point if John Michael Schmitz wasn't the starting center. I would I never thought he wouldn't be the starting center. You don't take him in the second round to have him watch. 
Um, so, but that, that is definitely something to watch the interior of the offensive line, along with these unsettled positions inside linebacker. We've been on this from the jump. If there is a guy playing there right now on the current roster, it's Micah McFadden next to Bobby Okereke, uh, Darian Beavers. I'm not sure is the guy, but frankly, I've been saying this all along. I think they fill this position in free agency. Josina Anderson from CBS sports reported that Anthony Barr eventually will be in for a visit. Doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, I would, if that's going to happen, I, I would think that would happen, you know, in the coming week or so and, uh, not reporting that just saying, you know, if you're going to do it, you might as well arrange it soon. Once you get back from Detroit in that first preseason game, I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, but this is definitely a position of concern because don't listen to people who tell you, well, that, you know, a lot of teams don't play base defense anymore and the giants will play more nickel and sub than they do base defense. Let me tell you something. The Eagles had about 500 rushing yards on them in that playoff loss. And you're going to be forced by the Philadelphia Eagles and by other opponents into putting two linebackers on the field to stop the run until you can prove that you do it and that you can and that you can force them into passing situations. They're not going to stop running the ball. So, I, you know, don't listen to people who tell you that they don't need this position. They do. Um, and another one that's unsettled. The corner position, the slot corner position, I've written this, I've said this. I do think right now, if the season started today, it would be Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks on the outside and Adoree Jackson in the slot. We'll see if that changes. Cordell Flott, Darnay Holmes, uh, Zion Gilbert competing at slot right now, but we've consistently seen Adoree get some work inside. Maybe they go out free agency as well there. I don't think so, though. Um, so those are the three key unsettled positions. Fourth takeaway. Positive one here, Deontay Banks. It was only one rep, but his pass breakup on Amon Ross St. Brown in the uh, red zone period, I think it was right on the goal line on a slant. It was just a really strong technique, strong pass breakup, physical, no pass interference, no holding, a lot of good attitude from him. Like he wasn't taunting, but he got up. He's kind of screaming, flexing. His teammates were giving him pats on the back, pats on the helmet. You know, they might need two rookie corners to play like that, let alone Banks, their first round pick out of Maryland. And really exciting to see that because he's just had a really rough training camp and the Giants have thrown at him a lot. Uh, he, his receiver has been open a lot in man coverage through the first two and two and a half weeks or so. And the whole defense allowed a lot of completions, um, you know, over in Detroit, especially on the first day. So I think that's something to continue watching is Banks' development. But really, just that good feeling that he can make a play against a player like that, you know, one of the maybe most productive receivers in the league when we look at the end of this coming season, Amon Ross St. Brown really might be up there. I mean, last year, explosive, productive, he and Jared Goff. Uh, so great play by Banks and something I thought was really exciting for everybody associated with the Giants to see. And uh, the fifth one, I wanted to make this a mishmash of guys who stood out, deserve some credit. And, um, you know, here we go. I'm just going to go down the list on the third string, Tommy DeVito, um, you know, doing what you want to see from a third string quarterback. I think giving, <clears throat> giving guys opportunities seems to be running the plays effectively, obviously throwing the ball underneath more than down the field, but he and Ryan Jones, the tight end have connected a lot. That's been his favorite target. Um, you know, I think DeVito has given them what they've needed out of a third stringer who's obviously not going to 
end up on the field in a real game action, more of a developmental player as a rookie. If he sticks on the practice squad, you presume, but um, I think he's been giving them what they need and he deserves some credit for seemingly having good poise out there. Uh, Colin Johnson wrote about this in the New York daily news, another strong training camp bouncing back from an Achilles looking for him to continue to have a big preseason and challenge uh, not just as a special teamer, but on offense as well has the kind of size that a lot of guys do not, um, you know, it's going to make the wide receiver decision interesting. If he continues playing this way, uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton did catch a touchdown um, in, I think it was seven on seven from Tyrod Taylor in Detroit also had a good rep as a gunner um, on a special teams play or on a special teams period. So that's interesting to watch. Ford Wheaton's probably more developmental still at this point, you know, practice squad who ends up seeing time uh, because there are some established receivers clearly on this roster, Hodgins, Slayton, um, Paris Campbell, you know, Cole Beasley's a Brian Dable favorite and on and on. You have Johnson, you have Jalen Hyatt, but Colin Johnson deserves some credit. Eric Gray, the rookie running back. I think it'd be very interesting to see how he performs. Uh, they're giving him a chance to earn the punt return job, maybe even the kick return job with Gary Brightwell out. Uh, something to watch there. Jay Sean Corbin, also a young running back. Don't forget about him. Had a big run in Detroit in 11 on 11. Had a good preseason last year. And I think really does have some jump and some get-go and still is tough and a hard runner for a smaller guy. Uh, so somebody to watch. Jalen Hyatt, one to mention. Of course, we know he's been the standout of Giants camp, but appeared to injure his right wrist. This goes back to Saturday um, in a red zone. I think one-on-one -on -one rep with Cordell Flott that kind of like reached up, tried to catch the ball, came away like shaking his right hand, kind of looking at it, came back into that practice and made some really good catches, two touchdowns in two different periods. But um, in Detroit, he did not participate in the early part of 11 on 11 on, I think, Wednesday. He was over getting his right wrist taped heavily. I saw it when he walked past us after practice, tons of tape, looked like maybe even an extra padding on his right wrist, like a, like a slight one or just a ton of gauze or something. Um, you know, he had a, an extensive catch with a trainer on the sideline to see how his hand was going to feel catching on all different sides and angles before he went back in, took a couple extra reps, but didn't see him catch another ball in a live drill, something to follow, obviously, because of all the speed and talent he has shown. Nick McLeod, depth safety, keeps making plays on the ball. Um, you know, he's a guy who you start camp and it looks like he has a hard time making the roster based on the numbers game and playing on the third team as a safety, but he keeps making plays, hustling. Um, I think he's making it difficult on them to cut him. And I think if, if you can make a play on the ball on this roster, like he has, like Dane Belton did the other day, stripping David Montgomery in those practices. You know, the Giants need guys who are going to make plays on the ball. Jadon Mickens, uh, Jadon Mickens, slot receiver, playing in a depth role. But I think another guy who's probably going to stand out in these preseason games, really a ton of quickness, uh, puts his foot in the ground and puts guys into a blender. Uh, really good um, juice to him too, brings it every day. And Daniel Bellinger gotten in the end zone a, a good amount with the first team offense with Daniel Jones throughout camp, uh, including against the Lions. Obviously, you guys know, I think Lawrence Cager is a guy who could break out as well at tight end, has come out of some of these practices banged up, but uh, has continued to push through it, stay on the field and just looks the part. You know, Darren Waller light. You can also go listen to his podcast interview with me uh, back a few months ago, I think in June 
at mandatory minicamp. And then for the Detroit Lions, guys, if you're in fantasy leagues, draft Jameer Gibbs. Um, he was a real tough cover, fast, but a big body guy too for um, for a guy who's not, you know, he's not exactly expected to be like a downhill, put his head in your chest guy. But, um, you know, he shows a lot of quickness, a lot of burst and, um, you know, a lot of a lot of toughness as well. He's just going to be a tough cover all around. Jameer Gibbs, um, you know, really was a tough cover. You guys probably saw the video of him versus Okereke in one on ones. That was pretty lopsided. Um, and then as far as, you know, Jared Goff, I think a lot of completions from him. Interesting watching other quarterbacks in per in person. Sometimes a guy has a reputation and you think maybe he's not very good. And then you watch him in practice and you watch him making these off platform throws. And then you say, Oh yeah, he was the first overall pick in the NFL draft, right? When he came out. And so super talented, uh, tall sees the field. Well, you can tell Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator and Goff, there's just a lot of plays drawn up where everybody clearly knows where they're going to be. Um, got some good pass protection as well. I thought against the giants defensive line and delivered a ton of completions there. Uh, but that's our quick hit rapid reaction analysis from the Detroit lions, uh, New York giants joint practices. Again, please rate review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you know, you know that you can find us on YouTube at PL on NFL. You know that you can find us on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You know that we're sponsored by Bet Online and also by Estate 98. You can go get that ultra concentrated coffee. It's amazing. I love it for my talking ball podcast on the go. Pour it in the glass, drop the ice in. Throw some water in, stir it. Your iced coffee is ready. You're not going to have to go on an iced coffee run anymore. Go get a State 98 coffee. Uh, thanks for joining me as always. Love talking ball with you guys. And get ready for some special guests we have lined up throughout the coming weeks. We had Jonathan Casillas. We're going to have more big names. And it's going to continue ramp ramping up as the NFL season does as well. Talk to you next time on Talking Ball. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.